Hello, everybody. Good morning. Hope all is well. This is Perry Rosopoulos, and welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. I've got my coffee on this kind of dreary Sunday, and I'm not good at Sundays. This has been for years now, and I, I finally think I want to start changing this narrative in my mind about how I look at Sundays, in large part, or at least in part, because of one of the episodes we had recently where I said something about like, the possibility or the power of if, right? So I started realizing, you know, let me just accept, look, right now I'm not great at Sunday, or I don't feel good on Sundays for whatever reason, right? And this has been for a while now. This has been for years, right? So let's accept that. But let's simply open myself up to the idea that maybe Sunday could be the best day of the week, right? It can be. Don't start forcing it saying it is or it will be. Just be like, yeah, it can be a good day. Accept the fact that historically speaking, Sundays are tough for me. But instead of just repeating that, right, accept it, acknowledge it, but then open up once again to the power of if and the power of possibility. And what I found, even in just writing that in my in my morning sort of self-writing, I just felt kind of like a lightness in a sense, right? It wasn't like this pressure to make it great or whatever. It just became like this openness, right? So I want to read this. And I was just flipping through the pocket Pema Chodron again. This is the same book I spoke about yesterday in addition to Aristotle, right? And kind of similar themes this weekend, right? Like the sun is new each day, starting the day with that sense of freshness, that sense of possibility, but not turning it into pressure. That's one of my biggest flaws in my personal, let's say, spiritual or philosophical life. I turn everything into pressure. So I think for me, one of the reasons why I like stoicism is that it kind of, you know, one of its aims is to relax. And I also get a similar sense from Buddhism, right? Like this idea of letting go. I'm very bad at that, right? Quite easily for me, it could go from, you know what, Sundays are rough. Well, they don't have to be. They could be the best day. Then it turns into, well, how do I make it the best day? Then it's like, well, how do I not mess that up? And then it becomes this pressured thing, right? So I want to read this this section from the Pocket Pema Chodron that's helped me out today that I think actually speaks to this, right? And I think to a large extent, too, when I'm talking about how I look at Sunday, I'm really obviously talking about myself, right? One out of every seven days of the week, I can pretty much predictably say um, I'm going to have an off day. And what I'm realizing is I've just been, let's say, having a bad relationship with that idea of myself, and then, like I said, there's other ideas behind that. I think a part of the Sunday is that I don't know how to get the pressure right. So by that, I mean, it's not a weekday. It's supposed to be, I think, and I'm still working on this idea for myself, right? But for me, I would like Sunday to be a balanced day. So I still do some intellectual stuff for the mind. I still exercise a little bit for the body. But I think I need to just embrace a type of spiritual leisure on a Sunday, right? When I think about, you know, what might be missing. It is a sense not only of relaxation, but also a sense that I could be interested by the day. I, in a sense that isn't pressured or goal oriented, right? I have to accept this about myself that for whatever reason, I feel this way. I shouldn't like, again, pressure myself to change it. And I should try to maybe work in a couple new ideas, right? So this is a great section for, for this effort of a, you know, making a better Sunday, let's say. So it's titled, We Don't Need to Change Ourselves. And she says, when people start to meditate or to work with any kind of spiritual discipline, they often think that somehow they're going to improve, which is a sort of subtle aggression against who they really are. So just to stop for a second, that's how I feel. Right When I was saying a moment ago that I turn everything into pressure, that also is because I've, 
And in large part, thankfully, I've gotten rid of this. But there, you know, historically for me, my life, my teenage years, let's say, and even part of my early 20s, there was sort of this undercurrent of aggression. And I used to sort of like, even just like with goals, right, I'd get angry and I'd use that as motivation. And I always tell my students, like, be careful with that. And of course, I wouldn't take my own advice, right? But even if you're doing a good thing, if your main motivator is anger or, or resentment, that's a tough thing to do, right? Right? It's almost like you're holding a grudge against yourself because the other person likely isn't even there, right? This idea of like revenge or like proving somebody wrong, be careful that that's not just aggressive pressure, right? Because we want to change ourselves. I mean, one, we are, we're, in my opinion, we're constantly changing. So once again, as we've said, I think even last episode, that's always happening. So there's already, and we can look at that as a positive thing, right? I think there's already change going on. And I, I love this title to need. That need for me becomes pressure. Saying we can is less pressure. Saying we should is a little more than saying we need is a lot of pressure. So a lot of what I think she's offering already in these first couple lines is like, you might, because again, I, I think as we read this and I'm disagreeing with it, I think to an extent, I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but we need to change because we're already changing, but we don't need to try to force and pressure those changes is ultimately what she's saying here. So we can move towards positive things and maybe kind of, let's say, remove remove the, the unnecessary feelings, remove the unnecessary pressure as we move, right? So maybe having a less goal-oriented, and this is for people I think who, like myself, might ex excessively pressure themselves, or this actually reminds me of a great conversation I had. Um, and by the way, thank you for those of you who have been giving me suggestions and for those of you who are supporting the podcast one of my former students, and I hope you were listening to this and I hope you remember this conversation. We were outside and we talked about like having a day full of tasks versus a day that was open. We had nothing on a to-do list. And there were sort of two groups in the class. You were in the group that said you love the days without something on your to-do list and that those days opened you up for creativity and they made you feel free and calm and relaxed. And I was sort of offering that I had the opposite experience, right? For me, a day without a to-do list, I get anxious, I get stressed, I feel confined, right? And we talked about the, the importance of balance with these things, right? Um, and it kind of just made me think of or this reading about pressure and the need to change, the need to, quote, make progress can actually be really detrimental, right? It can not only, if it's excessive, make us feel bad, make us feel, as, as Pema is saying here, like we don't accept ourselves or something's wrong with us, but it could also even get in the way of doing the thing we think we want to do, which is making things, right? So let me get back to this real quick, but if you're that student, thanks for the support, and I hope you, you keep enjoying the podcast. Um, I'm talking to a student specifically. I'm not sure if I should say your name. I'm not going to say your name, but you reached out recently this week, um, and I appreciate it. So let me keep going here a little bit. Um, where was I? It's a bit like saying, if I jog, I'll be a much better person. If I could only get a nicer house, I'd be a better person. If I could meditate and calm down, I'd be a better person. Or the scenario may be that we find fault with others. They might say, if it weren't for my husband, I'd have a perfect marriage. If it weren't for the fact that my boss and I can't get along, my job would just be great. And if it weren't for my mind, my meditation would be excellent. But loving kindness, and I apologize if I mispronounce this, or matri, toward ourselves, doesn't mean getting rid of anything. Matri means that we can still be crazy after all these years. We could still be angry after all these years. We can still be timid or jealous or full of feelings of unworthiness. The point is not to try to change ourselves. Meditation practice isn't about trying to throw ourselves away. 
and become something better. It's about befriending who we all who we are already. And I think to add to this point, right, to befriend who we are already does create a healthier sense of self, does create a healthier ability to live in the moment joyfully. Right. I think what she's trying to convey here, or what I take away from this at least, is that we can't start with trying to get rid of things. We have to create a healthy relationship to them. I, I really have lived this as well. I think a part of the reason why Sundays might be difficult is that there is a, there might be that I use the tasks and let's even say like the pressure as a mode of focusing on things that aren't um, internal, right? So instead of just sort of sitting with my own thoughts, I'll do X, Y, or Z. And a part of my self-writing practice in the morning has helped me kind of to use Marcus Aurelius' idea, winnow my thoughts on a daily basis towards positive things. And I think that's also why um, I love that practice so much. It starts the day off with a controlled sense of self, a controlled conversation about my sense of self, right? Versus again, thoughts that are kind of flying around or whatever. But we learn to befriend ourselves through a meditation practice she's saying here. We're not trying to change ourselves. Because again, I think she... She nicely says, you know, the motivation for that change might not be good. It might be aggression, right? Or again, as she says it really, you know, I think even better, we begin with the wrong thing, right? And she goes on to say the following about that, I think. The ground of practice, which is for me to say the beginning, the foundation, is you or me or whoever we are right now, just as we are, right? When we have to accept that is what I think she's trying to convey here. That's the ground. That's what we study. That's what we come to know with tremendous curiosity and interest. She has another great quote in here, which is simply but powerfully, start where you are. Right? So with this idea of a meditation practice, we have to begin with what is, and try once again, I think Marx would agree with this, to not put all of this emotion, all of this negativity, all of this aggression with what we come to learn about ourselves. We want to encounter it and as Pema says, befriend it because right now it is what it is. And the idea that again, that we go in and try to meditate or even again, I think she mentions, you know, exercising with jogging, right? I think there's a healthy way to start exercising and, and there's a less healthy way to start exercising. And a large part of that, aside from, of course, you might be doing things that are too difficult for your body or maybe even not difficult enough such that it isn't as healthy as it could be, but there's an emotional and, and psychological element of that too, right? To exercise out of gratitude for being able to move, to meditate out of gratitude for being able to think, to write, right? That's where we want to start versus this aggressive thing that we need to constantly be improving. And I think our culture kind of at times can sell us the notion that you have to constantly be growing and improving. And, and it comes across sometimes as like a, just a little bit too intense, like relax. She's encouraging her ultimately that we relax more in regards to how we transform ourselves. And I think this really works nicely with some of our ancient Greek and Roman conceptions or ideas about philosophy that this podcast I hope has offered, right? We should work to transform ourselves. We, and I, to maybe slightly disagree, but I think I'm going to bring it back to an agreement with this section from Pema Chodron. We can become more patient, but the pathway to that, so that, that statement might disagree slightly, right? We can, and let's even maybe say we should strive to be more patient. We should strive to be more courageous, to be more balanced, to use some stoic virtues, right? But the how we strive is very important. And I think the quote or the section I just read speaks really well to a healthy how. So if the what, 
is more patient, don't do that and be mad at yourself when you're impatient. If you deal with impatience frequently, let's just for argument's sake say, it's a part of how I live. All right, let me accept it. How do I listen to it? How do I understand where I came from maybe? And from there, we can transform through a meditation practice, maybe self-writing, maybe not. But to say, I have to change, I need to change this about myself, not a good way to go about it. Again, I think a good way to end this episode is to say that this section offers a healthy how to spiritual transformation, less intense, less aggressive, with a more positive understanding of ourselves. We could try to be friends to these things within us that we don't love, like our impatience, for example, maybe our lack of confidence in a certain area. And there's another section in this book too that talks about, I think really nicely about trying to avoid making people into enemies. Right. And I think one suggestion I would get from that or that section, which I'm not going to read from right now because we're close to 15 minutes, is um, even people you dislike, especially people that you dislike that you have to deal with regularly, try to remind yourself of what might be redeeming about them. Right. Maybe this person in your family is really annoying, but they're kind in, in some way, or they're really annoying to you, but they take care of their kids. All right. And it's not to say maybe that they're, it's obviously not to say that they're right to be rude or something like that. We're not saying that, but we're saying, how can we work to cultivate healthier relationships with the people around us? Well, try to highlight some of their goodness consciously, call it to mind. Or maybe this person's always late and that's annoying, but they're really friendly when they get there or vice versa. Maybe the person's a little bit, not that much fun to be around, but Hey, they respect your time. They're on time. Right. These aren't great examples, but ultimately the idea I think behind her saying de- sort of like decrease your enemies is try to highlight the good things. And of course we could do the same thing with ourselves. She's saying befriend your impatience. Well, maybe your impatience is bad overall, but is there anything good about it? And maybe there's zero good, zero good things about it. Okay. Well, can we at least be kind to it? Like, is it for a reason? Are you impatient because you're nervous? And if your friend was nervous, would you be rude to them and like aggressive or would you say, What's the problem? And would you have more of a kind conversation about it? Probably the second one, right? So I hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you soon.